Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. This morning, as we begin, I would like to share with you one of the hardest questions you might have to face in your life. And at one point or another, I think it's a question we've all been asked. And that is, would you like a piece of gum? (laughs) Yeah, would you like a piece of gum? Because when you hear that question, would you like a piece of gum? It immediately makes you think. Are you asking if I want a piece of gum? Or, I'm left where I'm not sure what you mean by that question. So if that question is followed up with, would you like a mint? (laughs) Or that is followed up by, would you like a breath mint? All of a sudden, that is not a question. That is a statement. And and maybe even because I'm like a little hard-headed, I've even had people say to me, honey, (laughs) dad, Dan, you do want a piece of gum. Trust me. And I I think that that as we look at that, having bad breath is, is something that maybe should be on our radar more than it is, I don't know, but, but here's the process, I think, of why it's hard to, to realize you have bad breath. I go into my favorite burger place, right? And I don't care what yours is, if it's anything from Smash Burger to Culver's to wherever you like to go, and, and you walk in there and the smell in there is incredible. And then you get this burger which is as incredible. And then you put it in your mouth and you start to chew it, which then thought process would mean my mouth and breath must smell as good as Culver's does, right? (laughs) And and so when when I go then and I breathe on the person next to me and and they say to me, honey, did you have onions today? Or, or what were you eating? Did you go out today for lunch? And it's like, yeah, how did you know? And here's the deal is that once it goes in my mouth, once it goes in your mouth too, the breakdown process begins. And it starts with the chewing. You know, it goes to the saliva and then the chemicals. And somewhere along the way, something that was incredible and we'd pay good money for gets kind of gross and disgusting and is something that, that other people don't want to smell. So, the, the first part of this is, is as we, we consider bad breath, is number one, it is really hard sometimes to tell if you do have bad breath. Because you're under this delusion, because of what you ate and how good it was, that your breath now smells good. Now, the second thing, and I'm going to do a little bit of a show of hands here, How many of you here, if you have bad breath, want someone to tell you? Raise your hand if you do. Okay, yeah, there there are some people, thank you for your honesty, who didn't, who are like, you know what? Um, I don't need you to tell me. Well, Lauren, here's your lucky day. Because now, you know, you're out there at the Levine Hygiene and Uniform Drive. (laughs) 
Yeah, tell me, but not from the stage, please. And, and, and instead, pastor, maybe ask me, Lauren, would you like a piece of gum? <laughs> Thank you, Lauren, being a good sport. Okay, so, so we look at this, and, and, and this is something where we, where we realize there's a little self-awareness drill here, right, when it comes to breath. And the fact that there can be difficult ways to hear it, and when someone tells you that, I'm, I'm telling you, even though I raised my hand and I said I want to know, it's still a dagger when someone tells me, because it tells me that I have been not aware of it, or that it's something about me is very offensive. And it makes me wonder then how many other people, what they've seen and smelt when they've been around me. Here's the deal, people. self Righteousness is like bad breath. Self-righteousness is like bad breath. Number one, it is almost impossible to see in yourself. But it's very easy for those who are close to you to see. That, that when we look at self-righteousness, maybe the reason why is because in some way, especially for us, if we are followers of Jesus and we know his word, that he comes and he brings us a wonderful meal. And that meal might be his law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And the second command is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so I take that wonderful, perfect, beautiful law of God and I do what he tells me to do and I eat it, Right? And I, and I devour it and I take it in and I want it in my life. And so something happens though once God's word comes into my heart and into my life. And that is, I also begin to break it down. It gets broken down because inside of me I also have a sinful nature. And as I make these efforts to follow that love for God and love for others, what comes out, even though it might come out with the best of intentions, that God himself even says, it, it stinks, it, it's like filthy rags. That, that when we take that, and, and if we think that we stand before God and others, and they are always happy with what they see, we're delusional. The second thing, do you want to know? Is this something you truly want to know? Do you want this pointed out? Do you want com someone coming into your life and saying, you know what, you are being self-righteous. And self-righteousness stinks. And it not only stinks to those around you who will try to avoid you. Self-righteousness, when taken to its ultimate extent, will leave you alone because you're, it's not family righteousness and it's not marriage righteousness, it's self-righteousness, which means when I do self-righteousness, it leaves everyone else on the outside. Everyone else is part of the problem except me. This is so important because in God's word, there is not one issue that the Bible points out before God that is more detestable to him. To God, self-righteousness is the most detestable thing he faces. And, and we'll see this in, in Christ's ministry in just a second. And the reason why is because when you are self-righteous, 
you have absolutely no need for God. It also leaves you by yourself, not only separated from other people, but also separated from your God because when he comes and he brings you his grace, you're like, you know what, God, I'm good. I got this covered. I have this covered by what I am doing. I have your word, I have your law, and I'll take care of it. And so, just so we're clear, what I, I wrote down to begin with the difference between self-righteous and Christ-righteous. Self-righteous is depending on and looking to self for a reason to have confidence in standing before God and his judgment. I'm going to read that again. It's so important. Depending on and looking to self, yourself, for a reason to have confidence in standing before God and his judgment, and then as a result, believing one is morally superior to others. And, and just again, I, just so we're clear on this, that, that you realize that this is an issue that we all face, and all of us have a problem with it, is, is probably the best way to ask the question is this, do you believe that you are a good person? Do you believe you're a good person? And if you are like nine out of 10 Americans, nine out of 10 Americans would say, I am a good person. I'm thinking I'm as good as anyone else. You know, I'm, yeah, I think I'm a good person. And then a very another part that is very telling as well is that if you ask people, and, and they, in the studies have shown this, first of all, ask people if there is a heaven. Do you believe there is a heaven that has a, a God in it? And of the people who, in the United States, who answer yes to that question, then they are asked, do you believe that that is a place that you will go? And for those who say yes, I believe that's where I'm going to go, I believe there's a heaven, and I believe there's a God there, and I believe I'm going to go to that heaven, also nine out of 10 people will answer that question by saying, because I am a good person. Because I try to treat others like I want to be treated. That by definition is self-righteousness. And it is taught nowhere in the Bible. As a matter of fact, Jesus spent his ministry teaching against it. On the other side, we have Christ-righteousness and a definition there. Christ-righteousness is depending on and looking only to Jesus for reason to have confidence and standing before God and his judgment, believing one is no better than anyone else. And so what does, the, what does the Bible, so when asked the question, are you a good person? I get it, that's a loaded question. It is. Because on the one hand, I can answer that question two ways. Because I can, I can look at myself and I can look at myself in front of God and his law and say, I'm a sinner. That I've sinned against God in my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions. I deserve for that, just so we're clear, as I'm talking about myself, I'm talking about Dan Salofa right now, that because of what I've done that's wrong, I deserve punishment from God both in this life and the next. What do I deserve from God because of what I've done? Hell. I believe that completely about myself. 
And I believe it completely about you too. And the reason why is because the Bible clearly teaches it. But that's only half of who I am, just so, and, and just so we understand that. Because then there is what God has made me, his child through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so at the same time, I, I stand before God and I say I'm perfect, washed with the blood of Jesus Christ, perfectly forgiven. Not only am I a good person, I'm a perfect person because I am Christ righteous, washed with the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you want to talk about why I'm going to heaven, God forbid that my name would ever be used as the subject of why. It's about Christ and his payment, about Christ and what he has done for me. And the same is true for you as well. Self-righteous versus Christ-righteous. This is the most important lesson that will ever be taught from this stage, period. And bar none. And just in case you, you think, you know what, you're being a little strong on this. Let's go to the ministry. Before we get to Jonah, which we will get to, we're going to go to Jesus first. And this is Luke chapter 10. And it's verse 25 to 29. Excuse me, 25 and 29. And it says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is the self-righteous question. What do I have to do? I want to be able to be in control of this, so what am I going to have to do to go to heaven? And Jesus' answer to him was, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, which should have led him to say, I'm never going to heaven then. It should have made him despair of his righteousness and say, Jesus, I can't do that. How can I get to heaven now? Which would have led Jesus to say, that righteousness God will give you through faith. But what does it say next? But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In this, it is part of our DNA to want to justify ourselves. We want to win arguments. When we know, especially when we know we're right, we want the person who was wrong to be shamed and to admit it. And if there's a group of people there, that's even better. That, that we look at righteousness and being right is like the ultimate argument victory. But as we stand before God, that will never happen. We will never be justified Never be worthy of heaven by what we do. The next one is very much the same. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable, another indication that you're self-righteous, if you look down on anyone else, especially in a spiritual sense, that is the telltale sign of self-righteousness. Because what you're doing, and we're going to see Jonah did this, Jonah took the moral high ground. Jonah went out on a hill looking down at Nineveh and was expecting them to be condemned. That's the high ground. I'm higher than you are. You're going to be destroyed and I'm not. And that's the way at Jesus' ministry that the people were. And after this, I would encourage you to circle that and read this Bible account this week because it's the account of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And so if you know the Bible story, you'll know that the tax collector got up and he prayed, thank goodness for all of us to hear. Father, I thank you I am not like other people. 
I keep two fast days a week, and I give a full tenth of all my earnings, which if everyone else would have done this year, Pastor Dan would have had to talk about it um, and waste time at the service. I love doing this prayer. That's the way the the self-righteous prayer, right? I want to talk about myself. And whenever we hear that, we're like, we hate the Pharisee. We hate him. But inside of us, we love to be it too. Because we like to be higher than the other person. As opposed to the tax collector. And what was his prayer? Lord, unto me show mercy. And Jesus himself said, on that day, one man went home justified. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Wow. Nothing more important you will learn in your life than this, and it will take you a lifetime to to continue to see it in your life. So, In the blank, you can write, self-righteousness is a sickness that infects every single one of us. So, self-righteousness, the beauty of it is, what's today's message? God's grace for the self-righteous. It's God's grace for you, you bunch of self-righteous people. (laughs) All right, so we go to Jonah. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. And what Jonah was upset about was when the people turned from their sin, turned back to God, and God relented of his punishment. And and it put Jonah over the edge. In the blank, you can write, uh, Christ's righteousness seemed wrong to Jonah because it is not fair. Christ, Christ's righteousness seemed wrong to Jonah because it's not fair. And I think that this is important that we say this. Just so we're clear, in case no one has told you this before, life's not fair. And secondly, God is not fair. <laughs> Waiting for people to throw things. God's not fair, okay? God is just God is not fair. You want proof? You want proof of fair? That all of the people who have sinned for all time are not punished for their sin, and the one person who has lived in this world who was without sin, Jesus Christ, is the one who received the punishment of all. What do you want that's more unfair than that? Teacher, parents, how would you feel if your, if your children came home from school and told you, my teacher said that I'm the best behaved student in school, so what they're doing is now whenever anyone else behaves, I'm punished. You'd be like, that's insane. This teacher's gonna be out of the classroom by the the end of the day. That's That's wrong, that's not fair, that's not the way it works. And just so as we look at this, again, if you ever are angry because of the grace that is shown to someone else. Self-righteousness rearing its ugly head. You want them to get the punishment. You want to make sure that's not right. And, and as you look at it, it's one of the reasons why people sometimes don't like Christianity. 
You're saying that a, a person could commit a crime and go to prison, and, and right before they die, if they say, I'm sorry, God, forgive me, that they get to go to heaven? What's that about? And someone else, my neighbor, who's a great neighbor, who always takes care of my lawn, who looks out for me, who's just a good person, because they don't believe in Jesus, they don't go to heaven? Self-righteous versus Christ-righteous. It is not fair, but it is just because it's based on the, the payment made by Jesus Christ for us. And it's God's plan for all of us for heaven. We continue. He prayed to the Lord. Good for, good for Jonah. At least he's talking. He, he's praying to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to uh, forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Okay, a couple things. One of them is Jonah wants to go back. Jonah, you want to go for another boat ride? We can do that. That can be arranged. Get in the boat. Let's do the whole fish thing again and see if your attitude changes. And, and, and so Jonah knew something about God. And he's like, God, I knew you were this type of God. That's why I love you, God. I love your, your graciousness and your forgiveness towards me. But now when I have to see it shown to someone else who doesn't deserve it as much as I do, do you see the self-righteousness? When, when God's love should be shown to me but not another, all of a sudden what I've done is made my behavior a condition of it. And, and the Lord asks him, is it right for him to be angry? And Jonah's answer is yes, because I am a better person than they are. Because of who I am, you should treat me differently than you treat them. In the blank, you can write, self-righteousness will drive us crazy and separate us from our God who freely forgives. And separate us from our God who freely forgives. I hope you guys see where this is going. Do you, do you see, this is one of those ironies that Jonah, a, a person who had lived his life as a prophet of God, goes to a people who had lived their whole life sinning, preaches the message to them, and right now, who is in the biggest danger of the fires of hell? Jonah. That, that's the irony. The, the whole irony of, of this, as we look at it, as Jonah separates himself from the people who are going to be destroyed, it's Jonah who, who is, is heading that direction. And the reason why is because as he, he identifies who God is very clearly, but his rejection is not a rejection of the people of Nineveh, his rejection is a rejection of God. Because it's God that he has a problem with. And notice that anger that comes as a result. We continue. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. Then he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. He was still hoping. Maybe God will still destroy him. Maybe lightning, fire, and, and he wanted to see it. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. 
But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. The greatest gift God will ever give us is Christ's righteousness. And in this account, we see the second greatest gift he'll ever give. Shaded parking, right there. We all know this, living in Phoenix, right? That you, you drive in there and you see in the lot, there's one tree, it's in the middle of the lot, but you don't care. You pull up under it and you're like, ah, oh, shaded parking, it's not going to be 200 degrees and I won't need the oven mitts when I come back to my car. I don't think anyone who doesn't live in Phoenix can appreciate truly this verse of the Bible and, and this portion. So, so this, is, this is the greatest gift that God gives us is Christ's righteousness. The second gift that God gives us is grace on a daily basis. And, and, and when I say grace, I'm not saying the forgiveness of sins found in Jesus Christ, which, don't get me wrong, that's the greatest one there is, but God giving us little grace and mercies to help us in each day. And so in those things, we become attached to them. One of those graces and mercies might be a relationship with a friend or a family member or spouse. And what they do is they're like shade on a hot day that gives us a little bit of respite from the storm and, and from, from the sun. And, and we thank God for them. It, it's what we try to offer also in Growth Group, a place where you can go where it's shaded, where God is showing us grace. And he helps us and he, he refreshes us and he restores us. And, and what God is trying to do, and notice in this, I, I love the wording uh, and I highlighted it. The Lord God provided, God provided, God provided. Each of this was part of God's loving provision. And so in love, God gave him shade. And in love, God took the shade away to make Jonah a self-righteous person appreciate the gift of an undeserved gift. And, and, and to give him something he did care about to help him understand how he should care about something else. In the blank, you can write, the Lord provided and destroyed a vine to show our great need for grace. The Lord provided and destroyed a vine to show our great need for grace. One of the things that made me see this in this past uh, day, we we're, we're just talking about this, it was at home. And we have these dogs, and for those of you who are in my growth group, I know, I know James and Michelle, you hate them, but that's okay. You can hate my dogs, but, but my daughter loves them. And, and they're laying on the, 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 you know, up on the couch, and they're like, oh, and they're petting them, and the dogs are just being pathetic and, and loving it. And then the question comes up a little bit is, you know, I wonder if there's dogs that are going to be in heaven and, you know, the whole, either I just love them so much, that whole thing. And here's the deal. It, it, it made me think of that and it made me think of this, this plant 
is that what happens is we do grow very fond of the graces that God gives us. And when they're taken away, the death of a loved one, the, the you know, death taking something away, maybe health being taken away, whatever it is that's taken away, we tend to get angry. But what I couldn't help but thinking is, in the past two years, I have taken in two stray dogs. But I would never do that to a person. Do you see what I mean? I'm, I'm more attracted and I'm more, that I find more love. Jonah found more love for a stalk, a leafy plant, than he did for 120,000 people who are dying in the city. And the point is this, is that God is trying to tell us, I give you these things that you love and you're so attached to, to try to tell you how attached I am to all these other people that are dying next door to you. I, I treat my dogs better than I treat my neighbor. I, I treat my dog better than I, I treat so many different people that I run into. And the reason why is because they're self-righteous and I don't want to have to deal with them and they need a spiritual breath mint because they're, they're impossible to deal with. My dog can't talk. That's why I love him. My dog doesn't disagree with me. That's why I love him. He comes and he sees me and he's like, oh, you're my master and he listens to me. Yes, that's what I like because I'm the master. But that's not the way it is with our God, is it? Our God is the master. And so he gives us graces and sometimes takes them away to show them how we should care about people who are next to us, the 120,000 in Levine and Phoenix, the 4 million, whatever it is, that there's just not a lot of urgency for us to move on. Some of that, is because of self-righteousness. Okay, the Lord provided to show our great need for grace. And so he does for us today. The self-righteous, he gives us graces to make us understand who he is and to value above all else grace. We continue, but the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right from their left, and also many animals? See, he cares about the dogs. <laughs> I don't want to kill the puppies. <laughs> but the people. And telling Jonah that concern, that that is part of grace, that, that you know when, when you take the spiritual breath mint, and here's the deal, would you like a spiritual piece of gum? That's the question for today. Would you like a spiritual mint? And when we use that mint is when we take Christ's righteousness and we chew on it. And when we chew on it, on the one hand, we're humbled. Because we, we know who we're, we are. We are people who have sinned, who have fallen short, who deserve to be punished. But at the same time, there's refreshment in Christ's righteousness, reminding us that we're forgiven. Our identities have been changed. Uh, that God has made us part of his family. He's washed us and made us clean. And then says, now share that grace with those around you. In the blank, you can write, in the book of Jonah, we see God's grace for everyone. For everyone. So here's the final question I usually get about Jonah, and that is, do you think Jonah came around? 
Do you think that Jonah finally got to a point where he's like, God, I now get it. And here is the reason why I think the answer is yes. Just yesterday in Resilient Ministry, we were, we were talking about a testimony and a witnessing our faith. And what can happen in a witness of faith is I can make myself into the hero of my story. You know, I used to be drinker, I used to be doing drugs, and I used to be smoking, but now look at what the Lord has done with me. And all of a sudden, that's self-righteous. It's a story about my greatness, right? But as you look at the book of Jonah, would you say Jonah is the hero of this story? No, he's really not. Which makes it the perfect witness. The perfect witness as you share the need for Christ is when, it, when you begin with your own need. That Jonah, what he was showing in these, remember God's grace for the runaway. Who is the runaway? Jonah. Who was the distressed? There's a second one. God's grace for the distressed. Jonah was. God's grace for all races, right? And, and Jonah would be part of that as well. And finally, God's grace for the self-righteous. Who was the self-righteous? Jonah. That as we look at these words, I hope you see it as a perfect book for you as well. This is the book to go to when you are feeling self-righteous, when you are looking down on others, when you think you are better, and see grace for everyone, including you, when you're self-righteous. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you uh, for the wonderful gift that you have given us in Christ's righteousness. We thank you that you take away all of our sin and you have taken it to the cross. And now when the question is asked, you know, can we go to heaven or do I expect to? The answer can be yes, absolutely. I'm confident of it, not because of what I've done, but because of what Christ has done for me. Help us now, Lord, to live in this confidence, knowing that our sins are forgiven and you are the, the champion and hero of our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. You know, part of this self-righteousness, Christ-righteousness, it's part of a oral hygiene, I think it, it is for every Christian, that as we look at chewing on this truth of, of, of Christ and what he's done for us it is so important. Uh, one church father put it this way, he said that, that this truth of Christ and his righteousness and, and my sin is almost like breathing, where I need to take in a breath of fresh air and breathe out carbon dioxide constantly. And, and so it is with, with who we are in Christ that we constantly breathe in his grace. We exhale our sins and continue to receive his forgiveness. It is a way of life. And, and it is one that is essential for us as his children. And it is one of these wonderful ways that God shows grace to every single one of us here today. And we want to thank him for that. And now as you go, go with his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord, look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great day.